and theme music should be playing here. There we go. to the Great Beans podcast. I am Steve. With me, as always, is my good friend, Tim. Tim and I have been calling each other and talking over a cup of coffee for a little while now <laughs> because our wives told us we each needed a hobby. Tim and I decided to do the least work possible and just record the thing that we do already. So this is how it works. Tim's got three things he wants to talk about today. I've got three things I want to talk about today. And before the two of us get to talking, the things for you, the listener, to know are this. Tim and I have known each other for a long time. We like each other. We respect each other's opinion. We always listen to what the other has to say. We're not journalists. We're not experts on most of what we talk about. And we're not solving the world's problems. We're just a couple friends having coffee and talking about stuff. So, Tim, you got your cup of coffee? I sure do. Right, Chuck. Ah, you sticking with the Folgers today? Uh, until it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a re- say again. Go ahead. I'm a retired guy, so I'm not. I'm on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got my uh, my last couple of K cups of Tim Hortons that I, that I'm working on from my last visit down to my mom. All right, but uh, okay, so so that's good. We got the coffee sorted. We got the intro done. All right, so Tim, you you want you want to lead us off this time? What's your first thing today? Uh, my first thing today, I'm going to start with that rope, Steve, and I'm going, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to ask you if you've ever attended one, and if so, how did you like it? Okay, so you you went to a rodeo, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Uh, I grew up in South Florida in Broward County, and the town of Davie was the little uh, cowboy country for for South Florida when I was growing up there. And there were horse trails, horse ranches and stuff. There, there was a rodeo there like two or three times a year. Uh, I went to one not till I was an adult. Uh, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting. I, the only thing I really, the, the, the one time I was there, uh, the, the thing that got me was the eight-second bull ride. So I'm used to this big grand production from movies and TV shows about everybody being in, in the arena and the, the eight-second bull ride <laughs> Right, and I right. realized being in person that if you want to see the most of the action for the eight second bull ride, you got to be up close to the gate when when the when the bull gets out, because they don't just right. go all over the arena. They're 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 immediately jumping, trying to throw that that rider. And it usually happens pretty close to the gate. At least that's what I saw from the one time I went. Right. As soon as soon as the gate that little open, because, you know, that little ent- exit or entrance, obviously. Well, exit because they're coming out into the um, stadium, but um, it's just wide enough for that bull just to stand there. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, he can't do anything in there. So when he gets, um, as soon as that gate open, you're right. He just they just go buck wild, so to speak. Yeah. 
Yeah. So pre pre pretty decent event though for you. I really enjoyed. I think I really like. I I like the 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 Bronco busting if that's what it's called, or you know, I think that's what it is. And then I like the bull thing. The I, well, it's three events I like. I like the Bronco busting. Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the the of course the bull bull mm -hmm. buck, bucking, and then that um what they the steer wrestling. I thought that was pretty impressive. Steer I thought wrestling. that was really yeah. That's they like the horse. Go ahead. Uh, that's where, where yeah, where, where they have to like jump down on like the calf, or, or is it the full size cow and they grab it by the horns? It's a steer, so uh, it's a little bull, but uh, junior bull, baby bull, whatever, growing into a bull, bull, and um, yeah, they grab him by the horns and wrestle him down to the ground. And I'm, I just think, hey man, you you got to first of all, whoo, to jump off a horse onto a moving animal, you got to have some good art. And there was a guy that did that in like five seconds. <laughs> Off the horse, the cow was on the ground, or the little steer was on the ground. But I enjoyed that portion of it. You know, the rest of it is just basically to me the uh, pure entertainment. But, you know, I mean, everything is an event. It was a it was a world championship, so you know, it okay. was a huge. It was a huge doodad in um in Houston, Texas, man. I mean, I had never seen so many people in, co corrugated in one area at one time in my life. First time ever, man. So, so I was very impressed. Well, so where did they have it? Uh, where they had it at, that? They, and they have, uh, actually, they have, it's, Houston is part of that rodeo circuit. Yeah. You know, that big rodeo circuit. So they built themselves a heck of a um, uh, rodeo. It's a, it's like a rodeo house. I mean, they do more. They had a big concert there, you know, last night. But yeah, Sunday was the last day of it. So, uh, well, Saturday night was the championship. So they probably had a little amateur stuff going on on Sunday. But they had a big, um, a big um, concert. I forgot the guy that played it. I mean, anybody interested can look it up. Or hit yeah. us in our pod and let us know, but um, but yeah, they they had that and they have this. It's just a big. I don't know. It's like a stadium, but it's it's bigger than a stadium. It's bigger than it's bigger than it's the biggest arena I've ever been in. Right. I, I mean, it is huge. It is huge. So they have their own little rodeo place that they have this event at. And uh, sponsor it or however they do it. So Houston went out of the way and do it to do that. You know, they I, I, Houston is a huge city. You know, it really is. You know, you got the back. They have what the baseball team. Everybody seems like everyone there is a Houston Astros fan. I seen oh, Houston Astros. I seen more. <laughs> yeah, now, now, right, exactly. That's what I say. Um, I seen more <laughs> baseball caps than I did football or basketball. Yep, and we passed by that Toyota Stadium, the Houston Rockets play in um, I, on many occasions while I was there. It was like, yeah, that's the stadium. It's big. It's pretty big. You can see it from the highway. It's 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 it's, it's well done. It's very very modern looking from the outside. I didn't go inside, but um, you can see it's, it has a big Toyota emblem on top. It lights up red at night, so you can see it from the highway or from the air. It's beautiful. Mm. that's okay. my first yeah I, I see it was held at energy park in in houston and uh yeah that's a pretty large venue and your 
your, your entertainment for last night for, for the closing out the country concert was George Strait. Right. And it was George you. I, you, yeah, I, you probably couldn't, you probably had to walk there, man. Actually, we couldn't park nowhere near that, that, that stadium or that area. Mm -hmm. um, it's called NRG something. Um, but, um, we couldn't park there. We literally had to park probably about maybe six miles away and catch a, uh, they had paid that my, my daughters had set up a, a shuttle pay to pay to park type deal. And, um, so we parked, they had yeah. tickets everything for the parking. And then we got on the bus, caught a bus over and then they used little side streets to get out of all that traffic. They wouldn't have never gotten there. So we got through all of that and came back the same way. Um, and it was, it was nice, man. It was, it was, um, it was nice. It was better to do that. Um, uh, you could have parked if you could find a ride and get, if you can get in there and park, you know, um, um, it's a lot. Sure they probably had, you probably had to buy like VIP parking to get there in close. To get, yeah, to, within walking distance. I, you know, I, we had an Uber the night before. We went, we took an Uber to go somewhere, and um, the wife and I. And um, we ended up, um, the guy was telling us all about the rodeo, and he was like, oh, yeah, hey, man, it's a good event if you can find a place to park for free. Otherwise, you're gonna pay about forty dollars to you know park somewhere if you want if you if you want to walk there and just be right there. If you want to walk, you could pay and he said you can park away from it, but you have to walk about three miles to get to it. And I was like three miles. Nah, I'm not walking three miles to go to North and then walk three miles back. Nah, I wasn't doing that. So that was out. <laughs> but um, so but it was um, you know what? Now would I go to another rodeo? Hmm. I think I would. If they ever have one here, I may I may just go to it. You know, if they have one in Savannah, I'm not driving out of the area to go to one. But if they had one here, I probably would go. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, from my the, the rodeo I went to, much smaller than than what you experienced in in, in Houston. Uh, and uh, I was tempted one time. I did a TDY in, in Denver. And at the same time, the hotel they put us up in, there were some, some athletes there who were there for a, a rodeo in Denver, uh, also part, part of that circuit, that major rodeo circuit. Uh, you know, but, but I wasn't really tempted to go out and, and check it out again while I was up there. It's kind of like one of those things for me. I did it. I've been to one. Right. I've seen the bull riding. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it was good. I mean, it's kind of like kind of like the time I went and saw roller derby. Went to roller derby because I've never been to it. Wasn't really a thing Ooh. I wanted to go back to again. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't care for that on TV, so I don't think I would have <laughs> went to that. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, and all uh, I'll share this with you. Go ahead. Uh, you know, George Strait. Uh, my wife and I did go see see him in concert some years ago in in uh, Virginia, and uh, it was a pr pretty decent show. Pretty decent show. Nothing too fancy. Nothing too flashy. He uh, he he was in an arena. His stage was right in the middle of the arena. And I remember what he had, and you know, the band was in, in, in the, the band was smack dab in the center of the arena. Okay, it wasn't all pushed really? off to, to one end of it. And for what he did on his his concert there, when we saw him, was he had a microphone set up on four sides of the arena, and he just walked around that stage like the entire show. He'd do three or four songs at each microphone and just move to the next one. That way, wow. everybody in the arena. Could, could see him because he is, as they refer to him in country music, King George. Oh, they do. That's what they refer to him as. Yeah, he's he's got uh, the record for, I think he's got, last time I, I checked, I think it was like 50, 50, 
number one records. I'm sure it's probably more than that since, since then. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if, if you missed out on that. Oh, wow. 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 Yeah. Hey, Tay, let me call you back. I'm on the phone with Steve. I know you got to go to class. I'm just call, texting. Okay, I just, yeah, I'll just call you back. All right. Love you. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I'm going to tie in my, uh, my is, is that it for, for your first thing? That's my first thing. Okay. Oh, well, so I'm gonna gonna... Add, before let me add, before before you get started, I want to say that I want to say this. Uh, we went out to a dinner venue, and um, I got a chance to meet Stephen Jackson. Played basketball. I think he played in Houston, a couple other places. He's from Texas, but I mm -hmm. mean, um, probably from that area. But um, I met him, and I got a chance. My daughter's got a chance to take a picture with him, and um, it was pretty impressive. Man, he was very, very receptive, you know, and cordial, and very friendly. Ah, pretty cool. I, I'd say if I was in Houston, I would probably hope to run into, uh, you know, probably Clyde Drexler or Akeem Olajuwon. Now, that would be something to do, and that's probably hard to do, but, you know, it's probably <laughs> extremely hard to catch one of them guys. That, yeah, <laughs> probably. I, I don't yeah. move in the same circles as them. Yeah, but, you know, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Okay. They're probably king of the city anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess uh, kind of kind of sticking with, with Houston there since, since you were there. Uh, my, my first thing, well, country kind of thing, Do Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton was oh. uh, nominated this year to be uh, and to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Correct. I've heard this. And an honor which she has declined to say right. she didn't want to be part of. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is just kind of like said, ah, screw it. We're keeping you on the ballot anyways. Right. For, for the people to vote. <laughs> First off, kudos to her for saying rock and roll is not really my thing because I don't see it either. I'm familiar with her. Not a huge fan. I know she's got some mega hits. I know her time as a... As, as an entrepreneur in the in the music business, as well as a performer and, and a songwriter, you know, she's she's had a very long, successful career. She, she's uh, changed a few things, and she she's set some good examples for uh, many young younger entertainers. Coming up artists, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, because well, one of the stories I heard haven't haven't verified this. Don't know if it was true, but apparently, way back in the day. Colonel Parker came to her and told her that Elvis wanted to cover her, her song, uh, one of her songs. And right. in exchange for Elvis doing the cover of her song, he wanted half of the publishing rights, which of course is how you make the long-term money on, on, right. on the song. And, and, you know, she, she refused and that motivated her to start her own publishing company. So right. all the songs that she wrote, she owns wholly. Which, right. Which, which was great for her, but yeah, I uh, yes. I, I gotta say I, I I I applaud her for saying that's not really my thing, and I think it's really kind of kind of a bullshit move by by the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to still keep her on the ballot. Well, what, what, what about well, you? Well, I I think because she does country music, I believe that's why she's she she's um she declined um the the enrollment um. If the name of the Hall of Fame was Music Hall of Fame, I think she would have accepted it because then now all genres of music is it's covered underneath it. Mm 
and I, you know, um, and other than that, I think other than the two names, country music and rock and roll. So, you know, we, she's probably already in the country music hall of fame. I'm pretty sure she is. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, but I think it's a very honored, um, acknowledgement of all of her accomplishments in music. And I think that's why they want her added over to the Hall of Fame. I mean, for her to decline it, um, I'm not angry with her. I understand why she's doing it. And, you know, because she said initially when they tried it, because they keep you know, coming at her like you stated, um, was because let, you know, let one of these other groups that really deserve rock and roll to be moved over there to be to get that on there and, and you know, hey, and I'm fine with it. I thank you. She, you know, she graciously, you know, did what she did it and said no. And she did it very, very respectfully. I, I like you say, um, or said, um, I agree. I agree. I think it was, you know, she, I, I don't rock and roll her being and, you know, enrolled into it because of the music. Yes. Because of the type of music. No. Well, I, yeah, I agree with you. If it was just a music hall of fame, yes, she'd get in uh, like one of one of the first ballots. Uh, right. And we, we, my wife and I saw that when we went up into Canada, there is a Canadian music hall of fame and okay. it is, it does include artists across all, all genre. Right. Yeah. A lot of country music stars have come out of Canada. A lot of rock music stars have come out, come out of exactly. Canada. Exactly. So, and they're all included in, in, in one museum. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, is is very impressive. It, it takes you more than a day to go through it because there, there's so much to see. Have you been? Have you, have you been there? Yeah, yeah. It's we, in Ohio, we, right? Yes, Cle Cleveland. Uh, and we went there, and lot, lots of good stuff to see. Uh, but I also think that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has not really lived up to its purpose uh, when it comes to its its inductees. I think there's lots of groups and bands and artists who have not gotten entry or recognition from the rock and roll as, as they should. Uh, one case in point being uh, the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's being an all-female band, played all their own instruments, wrote all their own songs, had great success. And from I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was started in the late 80s before they mm -hmm. even had a building when they were inducting people. Uh, they they probably should have been within the first group just for what they did there. And it wasn't until like this last year or two that they, they finally got inducted. And then what was it? Two years ago or so they, they had Whitney Houston on the ballot for the inductees. Right. Nothing against Whitney Houston and her music, but I know, I feel I can confidently say there's not very many rock and roll elements in Whitney. Right. Houston's, right. You know, music category. Right. Yeah, and, and and then that's again. Um, in fact, speaking of her, she made one of Dolly's songs very, very, very. She made Dolly part very, very rich. <laughs> I can say that. Oh yeah, yeah. She she contributed a lot to that song. when she covered it. Yeah, yeah. she she did. Yeah, she did. She did. So um, yeah. But see again, um, the, just the name and the artist that they add into it because they put rock and roll on it. I think that messed it up. They they really need to change it because of who would they adding into it who you add into the Hall of Fame, you know, the, the, the genres of music that you're adding into it, you know, you're going to have to change the name to music 
versus rock and roll. You know, we know that rock and roll, the type of music that's rock and roll. You know what I mean? You know, mm. we know what that covers. Um, the type of, again, the type of music, because as I, on my Houston trip, I had my music catalog and I'm on the plane, you know, trying to tone out everything. It was hard to do and your wife's right here to your right. And she's, hey, you just see so-and-so, so-and-so. I on a blast it, I'm gonna cut everything off. <laughs> you know, the, the headphones just block everything so I can barely hear her. And she's telling me I'm trying to enjoy the music and just, just kind of, you know, enjoy the, not enjoy the flight, but be a part of the flight is what I say, because I don't like flying, but. Um, and I listened to Sting and the Police Synchronicity yeah. album. I love that album. Um, mm-hmm. It's a year yeah. ago. It's a long it's time ago, but yeah, it's a great album. And um, and I was listening to because he's in the Hall of Fame. They and put him in years ago, but um, and so that's rock and roll to me. That's the rock and roll that I like. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I got I, I'm all over the place because I got some Rolling Stones too. So you know, and I got a few other bands that I like. You know, so um, yeah, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm all over the place, jazz, country, R&B, rock and roll. I'm everywhere with it. So, but yeah, I just think the name needs to be changed. And she did a great job of saying, I'm, that's, thank you, but that's not my music. Yeah. She, she never said that, you know, she never said that. So at least I never heard her say it on, recently. She never said, that's not my music. Well, she, it's, she put it together pretty good. Yeah, I, I've got nothing against cross, uh, cross genre artists, uh, LL Cool J, uh, Run DMC, Public mm-hmm. Enemy, and, and those guys being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I can I can easily see that. You know, there there, there is a lot a lot of crossover with that, but definitely not with Dolly Parton. And I just think it's a, a I, I think it's just kind of maybe a a shady move, but by, by the Hall of Fame to try to bring her in and. I think they're doing it maybe to increase foot traffic. I figure if they put a name like Dolly Parton in, they they get a few more yeah, people oh yeah, oh yeah. coming into oh the yeah, museum. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Well, you know, different. When there's different actually folks. like plenty of more female artists that they could probably consider and induct yeah. from the rock yeah. genre instead of going for a big name in country music. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I actually, I actually listen. We'll move on real quick. Mm-hmm. But do yeah. you think Taylor Swift? If she was inducted, would you think she should go? Do you think she should be entered? No, no. I, 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 I would classify Taylor, Taylor Swift more as country and, and pop music, not necessarily rock music. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. That's why it should be changed to Music Hall of Fame no. as, as, the, as opposed to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to move on? Yes, sir, I am. Okay. So my next one is, and I'm sure you've heard this, it just kind of popped up. I've heard it a few days ago, but um, I re-investigated it last night because I wanted to talk about it. Okay, there's a guy, I'm sure you're familiar with His name was, hang on, I'm going to pull it up because I actually wanted to keep this. His name was William Thomas. He was ranked... 462 in men's swimming in the world. 406 out of out of all the swimmers, I don't know how many there are. Rain. We know I, 
he, he I'm gonna say it was 500. He was 462 in that place. He was the 462 best swimmer in the world. Okay. He changes, he changed, he changed to a she and changed her name to Lila Thomas. And now he swims with the women. He went from 462 in the world to number one. What do you think about that? Cool. This is the the uh, the swimmer and that's in college right now, right? Exactly. Mm. Wow. Uh, well, for for that personal journey that that William Blaya is on, that's that's that that that's theirs. That 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 they've got to live and go through. Uh, that they like swimming and enjoy swimming and want to compete as swimming. Again, that, that that's that's a good thing. Uh, and I have read that yes, he's there's been a change in the rankings for that that swimmer uh, since they're now in a new category. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it this is a very new thing that's going on, and uh, with, with the the change transgender athletes uh competing in, in new categories uh which which they hadn't before and i understand uh that i, I saw this over the weekend that i guess at one of the award ceremonies the other two athletes who placed second and third refused to be on the podium with uh Lia thomas as a form of protest uh and they they may have a point in that in making that that transition from male to female, perhaps Lia still has many of those male traits going on in their body, uh, and and maybe there needs to be kind of like a transfer moratorium on it, at least in, in the college ranks. Okay. Uh, if you're going to make that transition, that's fine. It's free to do, but maybe uh, you need to sit out a year. And allow your body to accept the hormone therapy, make the make the changes, which would allow you to complete the transition to the new gender uh, before getting back into competition, before being allowed to get back in, into competition. I, I mean, I don't know. That's that's the only thing I, I can think of. I, I don't know. I don't know what the most right, most uh, fair thing to say about this situation is. It seems. You know, well, it seems like anything you choose as an outsider would be the wrong thing to say. We could be mad at that William Lia for making their transition and being in a in a higher competitive uh, ranking. I don't know right. if that's. I doubt that's the reason that they would want to do that. Well, we don't know. What we you're right. We don't know, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I, I yeah, I mean. Personally, I wouldn't see that because I think, you know, there, there, there's a lot that goes on with being a woman that they, that you have to uh, accept. And, and just looking at the the, the one aspect, oh, well, I would be better than all my swimming competitors, you know, just doesn't seem to have enough of an upswing for, for me to, to say yes. Right. Uh, right. And I can understand the, the, the hard feelings from all of the. The, the, the other swimmers he's competing against 
because they're they're looking at it like you know we 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 don't compete against men. Uh, that's probably what's running through their their mind, and you know they, there's a reason why we don't compete against men because there are physiological differences between men and women. Mm-hmm. And I think Laya may still be. Uh, yeah, so what's, what's what's the proper phrase? Uh, Laya may still have that advantage if they're very early in their transition that they still have many male traits as far as, you know, body mass and muscle structure and things of that nature. Yep. So, so maybe, well, I guess maybe, maybe there just needs to be a moratorium on it, at least in, in the college rankings that if you are, are, are waiting period or, or something, you know, that you, you make the transition. You well, you bring a good, you don't, you, you don't you lose eligibility, but you just can't compete, you know, competitively. Well, or yeah. You just can't, swim competitively you can still be on the team you're just not getting into matches kind of thing right well you know i agree i i I somewhat agree i somewhat agree with you on in that area right there um because i read i read it was on twitter so um and you know they had a video that somebody was actually at that meet and they were they was recording the actual swim meet but they were sitting behind two people that were debating whether the person should be competing in the, in in that class. And here's my take on it. I personally don't care, as you said, alluded to earlier within your conversation, within your piece, saying, I don't care what you do. You're free to do whatever you want to be in America. In America, you're free to do whatever you want to do. You can be anybody you want to be. That's fine. I'm perfectly fine with that. That's you. That's what you want to do, do it. Here's where, here's my disconnect with that. If we're going, if the NCAA is going to allow that to be, I think they need to have a separate class for for transgender competitors. I don't (laughs) think they should compete against naturally born females. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you remember the movie Joanna Man? Ah, oh, geez, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, and, and you know, and, and a lot of people have made references to a few females, you know, being that way or being this way or should have been this. You remember the athlete out of Africa years ago in the in the um in the it was an Olympic event and she was really really crushing the women. They thought she was a guy because she was just. You know, she had a lot of male features and, and stuff like that, but she was actually born as a female, and they yeah, did not uh, want her to compete. Cat Caster says Semenya. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. yes. And um, they didn't want her to compete. You know, they was like, oh, no, she's this, that, the other, whatever, but she was born a female. In this case, this is a guy that was born as a guy, a boy. He was a male guy, he had male everything, and then he you know, took the hormones and did that stuff. Didn't wait a year. I don't know how long they waited, but um, they, he, he, now you're competing against, you know, little Susie. You competing against who's not little now, of course, but you know, you know, that's almost to say if because let's just say we could do whatever. You know, I'm I'm gonna use this and I there's a there's a certain NBA player allowed his son to become a. Uh, uh, you know, to do their thing, to be who they wanted to be, free, whatever. But what if that person wanted to play basketball? 
they're too young at that age to really get into all of these hormones and stuff like that. I would suspect. I don't know. I'm not a doc, the medical expert, but you know. But they wanted to compete and play basketball. But they, but they identify as a female. But you know, are male. Well, born was born a male, and and for them to get out there and play with, you know, my daughter who's worked and trained hard at this at that level at the college level to get there, you know, all the swim meets practicing and an extra effort to to become the best. This person just hey, just changed changed their identity, gender, whatever, and jumped over and went from four sixty two with the guys to number one with the with the women. You know, and I think that for me, that's the disconnect. If we had a, if they're going to allow that to happen, they need to have their own separate class. It's just that simple. But, you know, and we don't have a big debate. You, you and I are not debating whether there was a female that want, that did want to, be, you know, changed over to become a male having a problem getting on the football field or a basketball court with guys. That's not, that's never debate. Do you agree? You never hear that debate, right? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Well, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's, it's not yet. It's it's a not yet kind of thing, and th- this is uh, things. This is a watershed moment, uh, a first that you know. This is echoes of things that have happened in our society before. It's you know, look at back of when Jackie Robinson was the first to break the color barrier in baseball. Uh-huh. You know, he, he was the first of many more who would follow. Uh, and right. as we, as we've moved into other things in society too, uh, when you know, think of women on on executive boards and companies. You know, the first woman who gets on one, you know, she's the first of 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 more to come. Uh, yeah. You know, so this is you know the first wave that we're seeing and experiencing in our lives of uh, people who are wanting to build their lives in, 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 in the way that they want to down to their biology have, have couldn't, you know, not just say, well, I was born this way and I'm stuck with it, but to actually make the change and, and be as most comfortable as they can with themselves and, and try to get as much out of life as, as the rest of us do. Right. I mean, right. Right. If, if William Laya wants to be, a woman, that's their business. If they want to swim, that's their business too. Uh, you know, I I don't know if, if it's you know exactly the, the right and best thing. Just the first season, put put them in the in the pool or put Laya in the pool against female gendered athletes. But like you said, maybe, maybe the maybe the workaround for the future, depending upon the number of people who decide they want to take this path is that, you know, there's going to be a separate category. Right. And if you're, if you're going to have a separate category, then too, it's going to be kind of like, you know, you're going to need a field to compete against as well. Right. Right. If you're going to, if you're going to participate in the, in the event, um, I don't, I mean, you know, I, again, I, I agree with the fact that, you know, the person, if they sat out and now everything is, you know, your gender is completely that of the of, of what you're you're transitioning into or to um if, if 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 it's complete yes i have no problem with that I, because now you 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 you're just you're just like a 
you know, a regular female, I would imagine. I, I mean, I don't know. But um, but yeah, that in that aspect, if they wait until everything, oh, the transition is totally complete. Now you can compete, you know, but don't going through the transition and competing. No. Because mm. I think you still have some some, you know, some male. I, I think some of that that male strength is there, you know. Because I can't pronounce the word correctly, I won't even attempt to, but you still have some of that in your system until it's completely gone, you know, and it's away from you. Then you can go and compete because now you're at that level. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. All right. So so we'll move on. What's your um what's your second? All right. My 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 second thing. Yeah. I, I gotta actually show you this. Give me a second here. So, you know, that there's always these pop-ups that you get and you see them when, when you're browsing through all, all these web pages, whether it be YouTube or Yahoo or whatnot, you know, you see these little adverts for like, you know, the weird hacks make your life better with this weird hack you ever see, see those things right like that? right I have, I have okay so so my wife was watching a cooking video the other day and this guy on there who i've never seen before I, I don't know who he is but he said that what he did what he learned to do is he learned to take his green onions and scallions and put them in the windowsill like this buy, buy okay. a little bunch from this from the grocery store and put them up there and i gotta say this shit actually works does it give off an aroma i have been super impressed there's not an aroma these okay so the thing that always gets me with the scallions is you make a recipe of it and you buy a bunch of it and the recipe calls for like maybe one or two right you know and you you chop up one or two and you got another bunch sitting in the fridge for you know ever until they go bad okay so this guy said that to avoid that what he does, you just put this little bit of water in the bottom like that, and you have it sitting in there. Not too much water because it's actually bad for it. But you, you see, you see just the way the roots, to cut the roots. Yeah, just yeah, to and, get and, the roots you, going. Yeah, and you see like how the roots are going there. Right, right. Yeah, so the roots get to going, and then for the top part, like it, it actually just continues to grow. And then I just snip these off and put them in a sandwich bag, and I've got, I've got you know, scallions and chives in the fridge on a steady supply. I, I, wow. I, I was super impressed with this. I like that. That's pretty ingenious. Yeah. So th- this is just a, a nice little thing. And I, I do like it. Oh, yeah, it does. It does have a nice a nice little aroma here as, as, as I've got it here. I'm moving it away from me. It's like, hmm, very, very aromatic. So What was that? Little, those were scallions? Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are scallions. So not... I can say that's like one weird internet hack that actually works. The whole thing about, wow. you know, <laughs> how you, how you, uh, these things about how you, you know, can avoid paying car insurance, you know, driving your, <laughs> you see those adverts or things like that, or, right. or ways, ways to save money on ironing your clothes or, or, or crap like that. I, I never, I never follow those links, but Wow. I, I, I like this one. I, I do. I, I like that it's uh, you know, economical. I like it simple. I like the way the greenery looks in the window. I like that I got a supply of green onions that I can just actually use what I need and I have to worry about the rest of it going bad. And, and these things drink the water down. 
Yeah, I mean, they they do. I, I checked it over the weekend, and it was it, this this jar was bone dry. You know what? I can see why because that that actually scallions are a, a, a pretty. I'm a, I hate to say it wet when you cut them. You know what I mean? They're they're a lot mm-hmm. of, there's, there's a lot of water moisture in them. So yeah. I can see that you know that's you know as the roots suck up all that water into its system when you know it's draining it. You know, especially there, there's a bunch of them in there. So yeah. I like yes. that. Though. That's pretty. That's pretty ingenious. You know, I don't um, because my wife does is not a big scallion. She loves onions, but she won't eat scallions. I don't. That don't even make sense to me. But, but, but um, she. Oh, I say it like this. I'm gonna say it like this. If she doesn't know that they're in there, it's beautiful. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> I wanna, but if she sees me or I tell her, because she always asks, "What do you put in? What did you put in?" There? And I say, ah, just regular old salt and pepper, some onions." A little bit of this, a little bit of that. What's the little bit? And then, you know, and I get and I tell her after she's done, and she's like, you put that in? And I was like, yeah, I did. She was like, ah. But um, it, 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 I, I love scallions. I love seasoned food. And speaking of that, being out in, in Texas, um, um, what I did notice, though, um, and we'll move on. I'm going to just hit this real quick, um, is that there's the culture over there I noticed was um, a little spicy. You know, mm-hmm. they like to go with the spice, and I believe that. And I, I, I taste a little bit of Cajun in it. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. Louisiana-type touch, the Mexican touch a little bit in, the, in some of their foods. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and of course, you know, a lot of Black folks are there in Texas. Um, and I, there's a lot of soul food. All three of those are combined together. And it, and it, it really makes that Texas, Houston-made Texas Houston portion of it taste so well. Uh, I was like, oh my God, I couldn't, I could hardly believe um, how well that food, I was amazed. I was amazed that all that culture was blended in together. And you could see all of that in the people that were there, in the way in which they dressed. You know, mm-hmm. I seen cowboys with a little bit of Mexican flair. Um, I right. seen, when I say cowboys, I, you know, I mean, Caucasian guys you know, with the hats, the boots, and they had a little Mexican flair to them. And then I could see a little bit of that R&B hip hop flair to them as well. You know, I was like, wow. So they really involved, you know, they kept their culture and kept, but just add a little bit of this, a little bit of that to it to make who they are and what that is out there. But I like that idea. That's almost perfect. Can you do that with any other vest? Uh, I, I don't know. The, the scallion is the only one I know that's got the roots on the bottom. And okay. when you do all these recipes or, or when you do a recipe for scallion, it usually calls for the, just like the green parts of the, the top parts. Right. right exactly. And I usually wind up using, like I said, maybe two whole ones, just chopping it all the way down just to use it up. Because if I just cut off the, the green top and I have the, the white bottom sitting there, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know, I got to make something else to, to use it up. But this way, like I said, I've got the roots. I've got the white parts in the water. Uh, you see the, the way it grows, the, the sprout comes out you know, from the middle and, and I can mm-hmm. just chop off that part, the green part, put it in a little baggie right. in the fridge and, and save it. And you see like, like this one's a nice little new one right here growing up. Yeah, I see. So right. when it gets too long, it actually just kind of like bends or flops over and I just, I just cut it up. I'll, I'll just take a scissors, cut it off. Take take that take all that greenery, put it on the on the chopping board, and dice it up real quick, and put it in a baggie or a little container in the fridge, and then I can saute it, you know, for like my omelets and stuff like that. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Omelet that probably goes great on omelet. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Some some nice some some olive oil, some garlic, some some of these scallions there to saute a little bit before you put the eggs in, kind of like a nice little frittata kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Ooh, oh good yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. So that adds as my second thing. As my second thing. Okay, so now to the third thing. My, my third thing is going to be the NCA tournament, not asking, you know, who you're, who's your pick, because I'm pretty sure it's like, uh, I like Duke. I mean, I, I'm not saying what your pick would be, but um, but I'm pretty sure you just take a stab at it. I, I like, how do you feel about the, the tournament itself as far as the, bra- you know, the, all the hype over the brackets? You know, I mean, I could care. I mean, I mean, really, I could care who less. I, I like to see Duke win because K is leaving. I want to see him at least make it to the final four. He's made it to the what the final eight now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's in. The, well, yeah, he's, he's in the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Well, they uh, won yesterday, so he's in. The, they went to the final eight. Now. So we, uh, yeah, we we've always like followed the, the bracket. And it was something that after, like the first year we were married, my wife saw me like sitting down with with, with the bracket and just, just doing it for myself because it was something I always did. She didn't know what it was, and I introduced her to it. And right from the get go, took the time to learn it. Yeah, yeah, she she took the time to learn it. And we've done a few, you know, through the years, and we did like a little friendly family competition for. Oh, a that's while. cute. That's real and, cute. And had a you know, I would do it with like different different workstations and everything, and usually give out a. Uh, a hat as, as a prize. Uh, right. So uh, she, from the get go, just like Gonzaga, because she just liked the way the name sounded. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when it comes times around to March Madness, that that's kind of like who she always sort of kind of pulls for. Uh, I, I look at the bracket and I always try to just make a good pick to see who, who's going to win. And I've been I've been right a few times. It's harder to do. Really? Nowadays, I've been, I've been right a couple of times. Yeah, uh, very, I very few. It once I never <laughs> picked it. I never picked. I've never. I sat down and did a bracket. My team that I thought would win did win, but the teams leading up to it didn't. Yeah. Uh, so I, I picked two good ones, and, and I, I, re, I remember them. Uh, I picked UNC over Michigan way back when, when it was the Fab Five. Okay. Uh, and, and I picked, uh, see, what, what was that? It was like, and it's been a long time since I picked a, a good winner. Uh, wow. Okay. So I just, sorry, I just had to pause. I got a cat walking in my backyard. I don't, I don't have cats. There's one walking across my backyard. Uh, <laughs> You're in Florida. You're in America. There are feral cats everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> too bad. So, Stay real quick. Uh, not, not, a, a two, yeah, it's not, you know, that's too bad tortoises don't eat cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah too, too bad. Too bad. Uh, the uh, the other one I picked was when the, the Huskies won it, like later later in the 90s. Uh, uh, that's when they had a little guy play for, for Detroit, right? I, I believe so, yeah. It, it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. But, yeah, U- UConn won it. And, uh, yeah, I remember that, that year that, the, the men's team, not 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 the women's. No, team. not the women's. I know. I, I, I know you, you could you could you could pencil in the, the the UConn women's team every year since like '97, and and right you know, a few years have ago, a fair yeah, to even chance right. of winning your bracket. Winning, you're right. You're exactly right. They uh, do have a great program. Yeah, but uh, now now that the uh, 
you know, there, there is a lot more parity in, in, in men's uh, college basketball. Uh, it is, it is tougher to, to pick a bracket and with teams doing uh, younger lineups, I, I tend to look at the programs who are, who've got more seniors and Villanova probably over the last eight years or so has been one of my, my favorite picks to make it in, into the final four because of the way Jay yeah. Wright runs his program. Uh, the first two years is a lot of development for the guys. He doesn't chase all the McDonald's all Americans and all the top 100s coming out of high school. Uh, right. He gets guys. Which who is want- a very smart dude. Well, it's, 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 it's a way to do it. It is. And it's, it's his system and he believes in his system. His staff believes in that system. And, and more importantly, the players believe in it too. And I understand why, because I, 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 going on what you said, he doesn't pick the, you know, the, the top guy coming out of college, which is, you know, we know that guy's not staying in school. We know that automatically he's not going to stay. So why go after that guy if he's going to be a one and done and add him to your program and messed up, mess up the chemistry of your program? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, over versus taking a guy, like you stated, that, you know, just here's the radar and he's right here. Take this guy right here, and he and 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 he's going to be in school longer than a year, at least two to three years. And mm-hmm. you can build a program structured again, like you said, educating them on the court, teaching them, you know, more fundamentals, uh, better fundamentals, if you would say, to you know, to be to compete at that level. And then you have a, a mature team because, as you stated, and as I know being a sports guy to follow basketball intuitively. I, I love it. Um, but knowing that you cannot win a championship without a few scenes on the floor. And, I, and I'm going to say the number one spot on the floor, you got to have a, a true guy, uh, a good guy, to control the tempo of the game is at that point position. If you have you a senior guy or a guy, junior guy that's Many a game. Don't, I'm not saying that there isn't a young guy that's ready right now to come into the college level and dominate. You know, I'm not saying that does not happen, but I'm saying under all of that pressure, at that in that game, it take you have to have tremendous poise and and confidence in yourself to carry a team to a championship. I've only seen it done probably maybe once or twice in all of my years of watching basketball. Well, but you're right. The two, the two, like greatest natural teams I, I recall ever seeing was the the, the UNLV team that Tarkanian coach that had you know Larry Johnson and Stacy Ogman, you know, and, and other guys on it, and then you know Michigan with, with the Fab Five. And but you, you see know, that they needed a, they needed a they needed a they needed senior leadership at the end of that game. We know what happened with Chris Weber, but if they had a senior with the ball at that time, that would have never happened. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and they, they, yeah. I think uh, UNLV. Uh, I think they 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 beat Duke the, the first year in, yes, in, in, in the final. They did, they but did. they but they fell to Duke in in, in the second year. Right. Uh, and that was right. uh, Coach K's. I think first championship. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, for the Fab Five, as, as freshmen, they were overwhelmed by Duke. And yep. then against the UNC in the second year, aside from that, you know, that mistake from Weber with, with the timeout. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's. It, yeah, yeah, I, I believe that when you get into the tournament and you get deep in the tournament, 
you're, you're going to be pushed. You're going to be pushed hard by a lot of good teams. And I saw right. we did watch the uh, the opening game for Gonzaga and Georgia State. And yeah, that's a, by the way, that's my daughter's um, alma mater. She's there now. <laughs> GSU. Good job. Uh, I, watching watching that team and knowing you know Georgia State, not expecting them to win, but they hung in pretty good. And part of the reason they did they it was in, a game. Yeah, the part of the reason they hung in pretty good for as long as they did is because they they had a lot of seniors. They had a lot of seniors in, in their starting lineup. That that's that's part of what yes. I believe. They didn't right. they didn't have the talent that that Gonzaga did. It was a, you know you pick Gonzaga a hundred times out of a hundred to win that game, right. uh, but because Georgia state is structured where they've got seniors and they played together and, and, you know, they, they went through their tournament, you know, to get into the big dance, you know, they, they have faced those tough times together and they've been taught how to, how to handle them. And then they were coached up to, to the challenge of playing Gonzaga. Uh, and looking at the lineup that coach K has uh, with uh, he's starting two freshmen, two sophomore and one junior I, I don't put I don't put a whole lot of faith in in that group to be able to bring him home his last championship. I don't either, and I'm gonna tell you they have a they have probably the number three pick, if not the number one. He could go one through five. I'll say that that guy from from the West Coast that they got, I forget his name for Duke, but he uh, ben, is ben good. Benchero, I believe. Ben, ben right, exactly. That he mm-hmm. is good, but I seen him fold a little bit under the pressure when they played um, UNC. That last game, Coach K, a uh, regular season game, he coached at home and they lost to, to UNC. He, yeah. he folded under that pressure. I could see him. I saw him fold. He just didn't. That, that was too much pressure. And I don't think, like you said, because he's a freshman, and they were to make it to the final two in the championship game, I don't – I'm betting that he, that he would – I'm not saying he would fold. I don't just think he could deliver under that pressure because he's a freshman. If he were a junior or senior, I say bet on. But um, because he's a freshman, I would take the the whoever the team is Duke is playing against. I would take that team to win. So um, anything can happen in this tournament. Um, we seen that. I seen Illinois fall yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. They got probably they probably have again one of the top five guys coming out of out of um, college this year as well. He stayed four years, and he probably needed to because he really needed to develop, and he did it right where he needed to be in college. Um, so, um, you know, but I, I, I like the NCAA um, tournament. I love it. I love all the ups and downs that come with it. I really would like to see Coach K make that run. But if he, he's made it to the final eight, that was my thing I wanted him to do, at least make the final eight on his way out. Um, but if he can go further – kudos to him only because you know he's an army vet um he coached that army and hey the guys put his time in he's a great coach so you know he does he, he you know deserve the better team is going to win but uh, you know yeah. who's to say the better coach is going to win but yep that's my take on it. well it was it was pretty good for us last year watching uh and seeing gonzaga make it into the the final uh right. but baylor was just the, the better team uh, last year, they had seniors. They had some yeah. seniors, man. They, they had, did. They had some seniors on their team. They, they were they were a strong senior led team, and Gonzaga right. had in the semifinal. Gonzaga had had a pretty pretty intense fight 
I think with UCLA, if I remember correctly. Right, right, and, right. Indeed. And it, it was a very pressure-packed game, and I just don't think Gonzaga had anything left in the tank after after getting through that matchup. Uh, and that, it's, that's that's that is part of the challenge of it. You've you've got you've got all the best teams in the country, and you got to put together what five wins in a row against yeah. against teams who are coming in confident that they're the best, you know, at their level. And sometimes yeah. that, that can be enough when you get a, a smaller team like, uh, you know, George Mason making it into the final four way back when yeah. BCU putting a run together, yeah. making it into the final four or, or even yeah. like St. Peter's this year, shocking a couple people and making the sweet 16. That, that, that team right there, you know, every year you have that though, you have a, a 11, maybe 11 through 15 team make it into you know, the final eight, you know, they don't get past normally they don't get past the final eight, but um not but, normally. Um, yeah, yeah, not normally. I mean, you have to have an exceptional team to get from be a, a 15 team because you've been you've had to play the number one and then whoever else probably five or seven between there and, and get there and win, that's almost impossible. But my my hats off that coach. But you remember that that was a team. I was it George Mason? I think you mentioned. I don't know if this guy coached them but remember there was a black guy light-skinned guy i can't remember his name uh fairly skinned guy he um man i forgot he's coaching in the pros now and um but he coached a a a mid-level you know team and they had a couple of good runs for about two or three years in in the um in the ncaa tournament but he's gone now he left and went into the pros Uh, so well, when 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 you when you mentioned that that description, I think of Shaka Smart, who was the coach. That's of him. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's okay. the guy. That's the guy. Well, yeah, he, he he didn't go to the pros. He he was offered, but he went to uh, Texas. Oh, that's, okay. Is that where he's coaching now? Well, he's not there now. He 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 lasted there maybe about four or five years, and you know, te- Texas is is like is like one of those jobs that he just wasn't suited for. Right. He, right. He, he's a great mid-level program basketball coach. Right. When you go right. to a big school like Texas, when Texas is a, fo- a football first school, let's right. face it, you know, and you're expected yeah. to replicate that BCU mid-major success with their basketball program, which hasn't ever really had a, you know, national level success. I don't think they've ever even won a regional. Uh, uh, what's the name went to Texas, didn't he? Uh, uh, Kevin Durant. Durant. As yeah, a freshman, right. but he was one and done. Right. And like yeah. I said, I don't. I don't think they they won a regional. Uh, I, I don't no, think they, they have not in basketball. But he is actually coaching at Marquette now. Okay. Yeah, I knew. I I I, I didn't know the school he left the mid level school to go to, and it was mm-hmm. Texas. You're absolutely right. Um, and I don't know what his success is. I don't even think his team made it this year. Marquette didn't make it. Um, I don't even think they made the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think I think they did actually. They let, let me. We, we'd have to go back and look at the full-on bracket here. Uh, if I if I recall correctly, Gonzaga got, got to go through it. Yeah, all. they lost to uh, they lost to UNC. Yeah, in the first they were round. Nice yeah. <clears throat> okay, but yeah, it, again, it's, I think that's a, a bit of a rebuild project out there with Marquette. But Marquette's a good basketball school, and Marquette is a. And I think it's like Xavier and Georgetown, where well, basketball- years ago, do you? I'm sure you're old enough to remember years ago 
when uh, oh God, Marquette actually won the championship. They had mm-hmm. um, yeah, they had who? They had Aguirre, Mark, 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 Mark. Oh, God, they had some. They had some good, some good ball players. This guy played for. Um, he played. He played. Um, no, Isaiah Thomas. He was friends with Isaiah Thomas for a long time, and he brought that guy in. I think it, I'm gonna say Mark McGuire. I'm, I'm have to look it. I'm looking it up now, but we can continue on. And um, uh, top players. Yeah. Well, I mean, Al McGuire was a coach that I remember for for the longest time. Who was that? Uh, Al, Al McGuire. He was. He was. Yeah, coach. that was the coach. He was a TV commentator. I think mm-hmm. he won a championship at that school, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in, in 77. Oh, yeah, yeah. He made, yeah, he, um, yeah, he, he I me get this guy's name. I know it was a McGuire, but I can't remember his name. Pass. So, yeah, they, they, they won one, but uh, like I said, the Marquette is similar to Xavier and Georgetown and, uh, you know, probably UConn as well, too, where they are more basketball first schools than they are football mm. first schools. Yeah, that's and, hard. That's hard. Wow, they have a lot of good players. You know, whereas when you go from, like, yeah, VCU as well being a, probably a football, a basketball first school now, too. Right. Uh, you know, and then going to, a, 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 you know, top five, you know, a power five conference school and be expected to just take the basketball team and make it great. I mean, look at like right. you know, University of Miami. Uh, no, their 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 basketball program, you know, is is really just eh, you know, mediocre through the years. It doesn't get the notoriety yeah. that their football or baseball program does. And uh, Jim Laranega, who coached GMU into that Final Four run, he's been the coach at UM for, for a few years, and they, they've had a couple good teams. They they have had uh, some good teams under him. Uh, they've just made the Sweet 16 this year, so that's good. But it's very difficult to replicate that 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 football success from Power Five school yeah. onto the basketball court. It is not. not oh, it is. Does. It is. And it's yeah. hard. It's hard, especially with all this comp. You know, with all this competitive sports is a billion dollar business. It don't matter what sport it is, but it's a billion dollar business. And when you involve money in anything. I'll mm-hmm. tell you, man, you better have you better have it together because it's easy to lose. But I was thinking about DePaul, um, DePaul University, and and I got that crossed up. I thought you, you ever heard of a guy, Mark Aguirre? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he played for, he, I believe he played for the Pistons during the uh, years. Yeah, yes, he got a championship with them. But that's who I was thinking about. But um, yeah, um, the, another top player from 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 Marquette, Marquette is um. The guy that played Jimmy Butler. Butler played for Marquette. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Doc, Doc yeah. Rivers played at Marquette too. Sure did. I remember him. You're right. Mm-hmm. Sure did. He sure did. All right. What's your third thing? All right. So my third thing that I'm going to go with is uh, I'm probably going to stick with food here. It, it kind of sort of ties in a little bit. I had a couple of experiences this week. Well, for one, uh, they've announced on the news here in Florida that uh, there have been a million, we've reached the point where there are a million boat registrations here in, in the state of Florida. This is people Imagine who that. own boats, a million. <laughs> and this is a big number <laughs> because what this leads to now is this leads to a lot more people being out on the water 
and this leads to a lot more recreational fishers out there. Okay. So I'm that one means, of well, that means it's going to be harder now. I worry there's going to be overfishing. Uh, so when it comes time for getting, you know, that grouper and that snapper in season, it's going to be, it's just going to be probably darn near impossible until, you know, they, they, we've had this thing in Florida over the last year, a couple of years with the pandemic where there's been an influx of people have come down here because our, our state government has uh, tried to make it as I, I like to say relaxed. We don't have COVID here. Nobody believes there's COVID here. So, and that's led to an influx of people. That's led to uh, a boom in building. And, yeah. and, and when you have this influx of people, you, 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 have, you have positives and, and you have negatives. So we get more people who can come in. That's great for our, our economy because we are a, a no state income tax kind of state and we get tourists who come in. Uh, but what that does is it's also driving up the cost of living. Uh, rents over the state are just driving up. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. I, I was watching a, when I went down and visited my mom, this one woman said her, her rent down in South Florida went up $1,000. Her rent went up $1,000. Dollars, wow! In South Florida, and yeah, so the, this whole man, I tell you, I, 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 I don't know. I see, I see this, and when I'm driving back and forth down to see my mom, I see so much construction going on, and I know that means there's a lot of land that's being plowed under and repurposed, and that leads to congestion. And oh, oh man, I tell you. <sighs> I just don't know what I just, I just don't know how long for Florida I am if this continues over the next couple of three years. What you what because of population or because I mean you you you're in the house so you're not renting right? I'm in the house, yes, but you know I got to go out and drive the roads, and, and there's an influx of traffic. I mean, I, I, even in our area, our, our neighbors across the street they've lived in their house since this road was first opened, oh, oh, you know, 40, 50 years, and they they tell us they remember when. You know, they, you would wait all day and see maybe two cars go up and down the road. Wow. You know, now, now people are just driving up and down the road. I mean, to the point where I mean, it's, it's just nonstop traffic all, all day long. Wow. Even when get out, even last around. Friday, when I told you, when I went out to, to the park, just sat, had my coffee, you know, in, in the park in, in the morning, the, right. the, the state park I went to, I could still hear mm -hmm. the traffic from, from the main highway out. I mean, it was just constant. Constant, constant. And wow. again, I, I, just, I just look at so many things. It's like how you talked about when you went into the rodeo and you were overwhelmed by, by seeing that crowd. And, wow. and my wife and I saw, saw the same thing last year when we went to Nashville and we turned and we just saw so many people for the first time in a long time. Right. I've grown used to and accustomed to not having a lot of people around, at least not in that mass number. Smaller events I, I can I can do and I can handle and I'm uh, I'm accustomed to like when we did the uh, right. the, the art and seafood festival a few weeks ago. Correct, correct. Smaller event. There was maybe 300 people there total. You know, at, at the mm -hmm. time that we were there, uh, not not like the the event that you went to, not like that that main street in Nashville, but just this this influx of people. It really 
it really concerns me that there's just going to be a lot of negative impacts coming in, especially the environmental ones. Because yes, I would like to go out and do some fishing once in a while, but I don't want to be losing out on the fishing because there's no regulation on who's fishing what and who's fishing where and who's fishing when. Well, um, you mean you going out? You going out on the boat? I don't mean to cut you off, but you going? You plan on? Not buying a boat, but maybe going boat fishing or fishing from the the shoreline. Well, mostly I, I fish from the shoreline, and there's a place I go down to uh, down in Ruskin. Uh, there's a little military uh, charity re- retreat, and they've got mm-hmm. a they've got a dock on the Little Manatee River, and I can go down there a little bit and just do some fishing. And what do you catch? I, I don't, what type of fishing? I'll, I'll catch what, what what's in season off the mangroves down there. Caught a couple stingrays so. off that dock. Well, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> Some small ones. The yeah. and I actually had had stingray one time. Uh, kind of salty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a restaurant uh, I stopped in. I'm off on a tangent now, but yes, I did eat it one time. It was on the menu. I never had it. There's this restaurant up in I want to say either Michigan or Minnesota in the airport. And when I was TDY, they had it. Yeah, I know. I'm way up north and I'm eating Stingray. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what you <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, you know, j- just like I said, just that nice, that peace, that quiet, that tranquility I get when I'm out on the dock in, in this retreat, just to be able to catch whatever's there, you know, throw it back, keep it maybe once in a while. Uh, and if I can't have that, is almost like what's the point in sticking around here? I just, I, I certainly I just, get it, huh? I certainly get it. You know, I, I don't know. You, you've you've lived in Savannah for you know a good little bit now. So, mm-hmm. have you noticed like population changes going on there? Influx, uh, crowding. I'm going anything to say like that? yes. I'm going to say, especially in my area, um, I'm in the no- I'm on the northern end of um, of um, Chatham County, um, and, and actually, I'm not basically the last little city before you get across the border. You know, I'm well in Savannah. Um, you know, the next city is um, Rankin and Effingham and all that great stuff. But <clears throat> no, I'm not. I'm next to the last city, Port Wentworth, which they're about to annex and take and destroy and either grab it. Savannah's going to own it. Yeah, Savannah's going to own it. It's going to get swept into Savannah. But um, but um, it, it, I moved out here in 08. Mm-hmm. And um, I bought this house in 08. And um, yeah. And um, then when I came out here, there were probably maybe 30 homes out here now. Um, we had a lot of open lots, and there was some woods here at one time. We had deer running around, raccoons, and, yes, snakes as well. But since they came in and started building, um, no more lots. The whole area in, that my subdivision is is completely built in. I don't believe there's an open lot left. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we, we didn't even have a red light. At the end of the street, you just go to the stop sign, no traffic. There was no traffic, and you could just go on about your business. Now there's a red light on every corner. There's probably, I'm not going to say triple the traffic. In the morning, it would take me, I work right up the street. It would take me three minutes to get to work. 
if I were leaving out to go to work now today, I, it had to be to work at six o'clock. I'm, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna make it a relatively, you know, civilian type number. Nine o'clock. And if I had to be to work at nine o'clock, I would have to literally leave home, leave my house probably at about to be at to work at nine. Um, and now five minutes, probably it would take me about 30 minutes to get to work. Yeah. Just to get through the traffic. And that's mm-hmm. right here. I mean, I, I literally could walk. I could literally walk to work faster than I could or ride a bicycle. I could literally ride a bicycle to work faster than I could drive. That's how much traffic it has increased over since 08. Yeah. 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 It, I, I totally agree with you. And, and we haven't been in this area, but four or five years now. And, and it's, it's, it's still building up quite a lot. And I, I'm just, whew, I, I, just I just don't know. I, I mm. just don't know because there is so much building going on. And I know the building brings more people, brings more cars, brings more congestion, brings more problems, brings more, uh, yeah, more, more problems. You know, you'll, 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 you'll get, uh, you'll get increased, uh, traffic or, in, uh, you know, auto insurance. Yep. Uh, because of, of the influx of traffic. And with that number of people buying boats, like I said, that's going to him put, put a, put a damper on my, my recreational activity too, because again, that's going to be crowded as well too. I think I think with your fishing, your inshore, you may find a lot of problems with inshore, more problems with inshore than you do out, um, you know, guys out on the water. Oh, yeah, because definitely. Here, here, here in this area, um, when these guys go out, because, you know, you, again, you said whatever's in season. And, um, you know, here in Savannah, we have, they like to fish redfish and sea trout. You're from the shores or on the boats, because you know, you know, we're not doing snapper here, and you know, close to the to the end to the to the to the shoreline or around mm-hmm. in this area. If you want to catch a snapper or a group, you're gonna have to go 45 miles out. So on the boat, and um, of course on the boat, right? <laughs> but um, but um, so you know, and that's regulated. When these guys come in, I'll say this: they, I mean, because it's savannah there's not a lot of boat entry to they're not you know there's probably one spot that all the boats go out a channel that they go out and go that 45 mile ride out one you know once they drop their boat at their local or whatever marina you have to channel back out to not an inlet it's not an inlet but it's just you know you guys probably have inlets down there you know but we don't so when you go out and it's regulated by the uh, the border, not border patrol, the people that patrol the boat, the water. What do they call those? Those the police. The I don't want to call the, it the, boat the, the border patrol or the coast guard. The, well, not the coast guard. The people, the fishing people that's the in charge of all the fishing game stuff. Ah, you know those uh, people. For here, it's yeah the 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 FWC. Okay, so we have that similar, those similar regulation people, and they will actually pull up to your boat, mm-hmm. you know, because they sit out there. They they're out. They don't go forty five. Some of them go out there, but most of them just stay local inside. And when you bring, come back through that channel or whatever, that's when they get you, and they get on your boat, 
you know, and they'll have you open up the boxes and what lot. And if, you know, and they'll find the fine is very, of course, the deed is done, but you know, the fish is out of the water, but if the fish is dead, then it's a more of a fine. So these guys know that, you know, because he, I, mean, I heard, I don't know how true it is that if you have something, you know, a legal fish or so many legal fish, they seize the boat, seize the, and all that great stuff. And you pay this wow. dude fine. You know, that's what I heard. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but um, but they will take the fish, whether it's dead or alive. They'll take that fish from you. And um, and, and, and and for the most part, you're gonna you're going to have the professional people that, that take you and I out to go fishing, mm-hmm. they regulate that they really mind, hey, that's too small, throw it back. You know, that's on the red, it's out of season, you can't keep that. But again, and going on with if I had a boat and I rode 45 minutes out and I caught one illegal red snapper, just a tad bit under the fort mark or the, 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 the mark, am I going to throw him back or am I going to keep it? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, would I risk that? I don't know. Because of what you said, and I love the fish, I want fish to be there when I come out there. If I ride for if I if I'm in a boat ride for 45 minutes, that's a long ride. That's from here that to Hinesville. Yeah. That's a long ride in a boat on water. So um or a long ride on water. Even in the car is a long ride. But still, it's I, I'm I'm probably not gonna I wouldn't keep the fish. You know, I'm a, I'm a fish regulator. I'm like you. I have certain fish that I'm going to fish for. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to make sure it's within season. I, you know, even from the shoreline, you know, there are guys, I think there's a, that we have a, we have a fish called whiting. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Whiting fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a whiting here that that's what I fish for. I love the fish. It's a bony fish. The smaller, as you know, any fish, the smaller they are, the more bones, smaller bones they are. The bigger they are, the bigger the bones, obviously, because it's a big mm-hmm. fish. But, um, so I don't keep, when I go fishing, if there are anything, smaller than this goes back to the goes back in the you know in the water um because for one i don't like cleaning small fish i don't i don't like it's a lot of work i just like the fillet i just like the fillet of fish if it's not a big fillet i can fillet it without scaling it i don't like the scale fish that i say i don't mind cleaning them but i don't want to scale any fish so i'm used to you know being down in florida catching groupers and snappers and King, kingfish, and all that great stuff, and yeah, that's just with the with the knife, and that's just keep it moving. But that's how I am. I like that you. Um, I didn't know you were a fisherman. Uh, recreational, a little bit. Uh, we introduced to it. Uh, you know, my dad and grandfather. They they always did a lot of fishing when my grandfather was visiting, and yeah, I did it a lot. Uh, my brother definitely more the enthusiast than I am. But, you know, I, I do do it, t- taking my son out a couple yeah. of times and, you know, taught him how to, how to do it. It was a little bit later, wasn't like a young kid type kind of thing. It was just within the last couple of years, took him out a time or two, just, you know, pandemic stuff, get out a little bit. And it was nice and quiet, good time. But yeah, I am concerned yeah. that I won't get to enjoy it as much anymore. Well, I hope you do. I hope that yeah. never happens in Florida. I love to go to Florida to fish. I hope there's someone there when I go out. Yeah, hopefully. I love that. Okay, so uh, yeah, that, that's that's I think that's both of our our three things. So we're ready to move on for the B side. The B side. We are. I took a listen to it last night, about okay. two o'clock in the morning. Okay, well that was the A side, Guitar Shorty. 
So he is a blues guitarist, as you as you could. Yeah, I can pick that up. Yeah, yeah. He he is out of Houston, Texas. That's where he was born. He grew up in in Florida. Uh, he was born in 1934. He's in his wow. 80s. He's like 87, 88. He he still performs. He still tours. He's he's still around. Wow. Uh, but he's he's a big influence on a lot of people. Uh, Bo Diddley, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, really excellent guitar player, as you can tell. And so for the B side of what I sent you last night, which was the uh, I believe it was the "You Don't Treat Me Right" on the A side. Right. And real quick, before you go into that, did uh, B.B. Yeah. King remake that song? Probably. It's, it's probably been, been covered. Yeah. OK, but go ahead. I mean, he, he's got stuff uh, Guitar Shorty does that he's been recorded. Well, I say he was born in 34 and I think he started playing and recording professionally when he was like 16 or 17. So he's got a lot of stuff out there that you can really do a deep dive into if you want to know him. And I'm sure other people have covered a lot of his early, early stuff. Uh, but right. yeah, you don't treat me right. was the a side uh, on the Cobra label. And on the B side of that is a nice little, uh, about a little over two minute song called Irma Lee. So okay. I've got that queued up. You ready to give Irma Lee a, a listen to? Uh, certainly. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. This is guitar shorty B side on the Cobra records. Irma Lee. some hello josephine vibes remember that song that's our oh, yeah. um, cape yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. and it's also was a song derived from a cape 
cadence derived from a song. But uh, yeah. yeah, it gave me the Hello Josephine vibe. So yeah, I mean, it sound it doesn't sound any worse than the A side. I mean, I like the A side. The song made a lot of sense. I know that A side was redone somewhat. Um, it sounds like BB King redid that song and and did it his way but he stole something from this song here but um yeah i like it probably yeah this is this is a really good song and it's got a lot going on in it too because you, you hear there's a there's a piano player in there there's a nice little horn section in there as well what year too. was it um recorded you remember uh 57 yeah it, it has that 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 50s um beat from it, the 50s in it you can, it does. Can hear a little bit uh, of that. The the guitar solo is is pretty sweet. It's it's not overly complex, but but it's very right. clear and very sharp uh, for it. And I like that there's also a throw to the horn player. A horn player also gets a bit of a solo right right after the guitar solo. Uh, exactly, sure does. Uh, you know, so so that that's pretty good too. It's got a good composition to it. Uh, nothing too fancy on the lyrics, just like many blues songs uh, from from back in the day uh but very simple very to the point uh you know th this is this is the kind of thing though too guitar shorty's been around for so long and like i said he's in his 80s and he's still performing and this is from let's see he's like 22 23 when, when he records this right right he's young and and, and like with, with his singing voice you couldn't get him on one of the one of the one of the you know reality shows today for for singing competitions. You know he he wouldn't he wouldn't make it past the audition stage. <laughs> you I mean, he, why is wow. he wouldn't because you know he just doesn't have. It, it seems like that they're always looking for like these big operatic, like stadium filling voices. Mm. And there are many people, you know, that I've listened to through the years who just don't have that. Who you know who aren't those those type kind of quality singers? They're very good singers. But they just they just kind of I mean, you listen to uh, so many of them. You listen to Bob Dylan, you listen to Buddy Holly, uh, you know, Janis Joplin. They're not those type of voices, but they but they sing very well. And, and Guitar Shorty is kind of like that, too. He doesn't have this big booming, you know, Ella Fitzgerald stadium filling, amphitheater filling voice. But but he carries this tune very, very well. He does. He surely does. But, yeah, it sounds sounds good for twenty. Well, I mean, for that era, yes, that sounds great. It sounds absolutely great. Yeah, yeah, he, he does. So yeah, I, I like it. I think I think it's a good song. That not not as not as uh, toe tapping for me. I think as some of the others we've listened to, but I, I like it. Well, I mean, if you you know you, you place yourself back there, uh, you know, and that during that time frame, and you know you. <laughs> the clubs wasn't a club, it was some more of a shack, but you know, a it's joint. a good spot. A juke joint, yeah, there you go. That's yeah. the actual name for it. You can go to a juke joint and have a beer or a shot of whiskey back then and sit down and enjoy that because I mean, basically, really, that's all the music you probably ever heard. So, yeah, it bothers good to sit there and with a friend, female friend, or a group of friends and just enjoy yourself. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good Saturday night juke joint song. I, yeah, I it is. It is. Yeah. It really is. Total okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, my friend. That's that's our show for for today. All right. So for anybody who's going to wind up listening to this once we post it, uh, follow us on Twitter at be a great bean or our Instagram, which is be a great bean. Our theme music is Hot Coffee by Sid Reinhurst and arranged by James S. White. This is Tim and Steve reminding you that great coffee. 
comes from great beans and a great world comes from great beans. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, always be a great bean. And we'll see you next time on the Great Beans Podcast.